bad news. But listen, you got to hear it. Because if you don't get this, as you live your Christian life, there's going to be enough disappointments to cause you to quit if it's really all about you. But if it isn't really all about you, if it's really all about Him, and you find your significance in serving Him and in knowing Him, and it's His kingdom you're here to serve, then a few disappointments here and there are to be expected. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. How have we sold something He didn't describe? We sold this as a man-centered thing where God comes to help me out. Well, he happens to do that, but he doesn't do it on command. He doesn't do it in our timing, and he doesn't do what we want. He does what's good for us. If, you're, if you did for your kids what they wanted and not was good for them, what would they turn out to be like? We have a word. Spoiled. Spoiled, decayed, unfulfilled, less than what they were designed to be. You won't do that to your children if you're smart. Why should God do that to you? So if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, John says, Jesus says, Paul says, everybody says except the American church, there's going to have to be a change of how you think and how you understand your role in this world. It's called repentance, but all it means is a changed mind. Just need to change your mind. We need to think differently because you see, it's God's kingdom, not ours. And we got a really, really bad way of defining sin. If I asked everybody in this room, would you please give me a definition of sin? What do you think you'd say? Doing bad stuff. Hurting people. Doing bad stuff. Breaking the commandments. We define it all that way. You know what? That's not sin. Those are sins. There's something deeper than sins. Sins are the results of something else. What's the something else? Independence from God. Separation from God. When you say, I'm the center of the universe, God, you're here to help me and fulfill my life, that is a sinful attitude. Because you've misunderstood the relationship. Sin is independence from God. Sin is saying, God just has to fit into my life. I want him. I mean, I do. I, I feel more fulfilled when I have some of him. But he has to fit into my life. He's really big. He tends to fill the room. He doesn't want to fit into your life. He wants you to fit into the life of God. Now, thank God God's God. Thank God God's loving. Because if he wasn't loving, do you know what kind of tyranny our faith would be? If he wasn't loving, our faith would be Islam. Thank God he's so loving that when he takes us as servants, he also takes us as children. But we cannot miss the fact that we're entering his kingdom and a changed mind is what it takes to enter his kingdom. And sin is independence from God. The resulting behavior that comes from that independence we call sins. But the root is how we see him and how we understand him. The word repentance means think differently, to reverse one's course, to change. No one can enter into relationship with God or his world where he's the king unless a change takes place. Okay, I've hammered this enough. What are we changing? We're changing our minds. What's the change that has to take place? Who's the center of the universe? Me or him? 
Who's here to serve who? We're here to serve him. Thank God he's loving because it makes it a wonderful adventure. But we're here to serve him. He's not here to serve us. It's his kingdom, not mine. Just who's the center of the universe, that's the change. That sounds pretty simple, but try doing it. Try living like you're not the center of the universe. It's really hard. John says to the Pharisees, and I really like this, he says, don't even begin to say to yourselves, we don't need to repent. We have Abraham as our father. See, this is a religious answer to the demand, repent. This is the religious answer. God comes to you and says, well, you're going to need to repent to enter my world. And you say, but I'm a basically good person. But I'm generally most of the time nice to people. I treat my wife well. I treat my children well. I haven't stolen from my employer for months. (laughs) I go to church. And, and, I, and, I, and I sing with all my heart. And there's a lot of times, you know, where um, I get emotional. I feel bad for the things that I've done. So I don't need to repent. Yeah, you do. Still not figuring it out. I had an emotional experience five years ago. I had this emotional experience in church five years ago, and I just, I just felt terrible about my sin. And I felt so good afterwards. I didn't quit what I was doing, but, but I felt so much better after that experience. So I must have repented, so I must be okay. I attend church regularly. I was raised a Christian. What is it? What is repentance? Is it acting religious? Is it going through a formula or some motions? Is it a ritual? Is it just a verbal confession? I'm I'm really sorry I was wrong. You're in a marriage. You're the wife. You find out your husband's cheating. So you say to him, You need to repent. And he says, I'm really sorry that I did that. Now let's forget it never happened. What are you going to say? He says, I want, I want to go on as if it never happened. I, I just want you to forgive me because I'm repenting right now. I'm repenting right now and I'd like to carry on this relationship as if, as if nothing ever happened. How are you going to react to that? What are you going to say to him? How does trust get restored? What's it going to take? What are you going to say to him? He says, I want you to trust me. I, I, I want you to trust me from now on. I'm never going to do this again. I just want you to forget this whole thing ever happened. Now, what's your reaction to that? Come on. What, do you, what, would, what would you say to him? Yeah. How, how can I trust you? Here's what I'd say. Prove it. Prove it. Here's the changes I want to see. 
You call up that person. You tell her you'll never see her again. From now on, you don't go out without me. Or you go out with somebody else and I know about it. And you call me frequently to let me know what's going on. You rebuild the relationship till I know and can feel secure in my heart that you really meant your repentance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen. (laughs) John said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Your religious words, your children of Abraham phrase, your little ritual, the thing that you do, doesn't mean a thing to me. Show me it's real by changed behavior. Then I'll believe it. Do you understand? We have to understand this. Repentance is not just defined as thinking differently. It's actions that come from thinking differently. The fruit of repentance is change. Not just changed thoughts or changed intentions, but change. Action. Now, why am I hammering this, you guys? Because we live in the epicenter of, as long as I felt it, it must exist. As long as I had a good thought or good intentions, it's the same as actually living it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe you don't. I'm not explaining it very well. This has all happened to us. Uh, There's an appeal for uh, a water well in Africa. Or there's some pictures of some really, really uh, desperate children who are starving. And we say, look, we want to raise some money for these kids. And, and, And in the service, when you're looking at these slides, your heart is broken. And you feel terrible. And you say to yourself, I'm going to give. I'm going to give money to this project. And you feel so good about your emotional response to these broken lives. And you feel good about saying you're going to do it. But tomorrow comes and you've forgotten the emotion and it's passed. And you know what? You don't write the check. You think that feeling emotionally involved on Sunday and having this response is the same as doing it. So when the time comes, you don't do it. What your repentance was, was an emotional experience, but it led to nothing. And in Southern California, emotional experience trumps everything else. As long as I felt good about it, it's as if I did it. As long as I had good intentions, it's the same as following through. It's not the same as following through. Is this harsh? It applies, guys, because I see it all the time. You have no idea how many hands go up in the service to volunteer for something, but three days later when it's there to do it, there's one-tenth the number of hands that went up. Putting up your hands is not the same as doing it. Feeling it inside is not the same as doing it. Here's the whole point about repentance. God doesn't care what you feel. He doesn't care about your remorse for your sins. He's not asking you to get emotional. He's not asking you to feel pain over it. I know this sounds crazy, but he honestly isn't. He doesn't care about the emotions. He cares about the fruit in keeping with repentance. Listen to this. Let me show you. John preaches this smoking hot sermon even better than mine so far. And everybody's all ripped up inside. Oh my God, oh my God, what should we do? What should we do? 
what I love about our faith is that it is annoyingly practical. It always cuts right down to the bone. It's where the rubber meets the road. John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Forget all the other stuff. Produce, the word produce used there means do it. And fruit is the end product of a growth process. The growth process is changing your mind. The fruit is what you do in action with the changed mind. The crowd comes to him and they say, what should we do? What should we do? And he says, well, you need to feel really bad about your sins for a while. A good portion of self-hate will be good for your soul. You need to focus on what a schmuck you are. That's a Jewish term, schmuck. You need to focus on what a schmuck you are. So maybe about 10, 12 days of just focusing on how schmuck you are and feeling bad about yourself, and then you will have repented, and that'll be great. You you know what? You need to go to church, and you need to kind of get down on your knees at the front and have a good cry. You need to get emotional. You need to have an emotional, cathartic experience. Maybe embrace shame for a little while. It'll be good for you. Is that what John says? Here's what John says. John says, the man with two tunics, you got twice as many clothes as you need and somebody else doesn't have, share with the guy who has none. And if you've got food, share it with the person that doesn't. Really? It comes down to that? Like what we do with our stuff? And you tax collectors, they came to be baptized, good luck. Teacher, they ask, what should we do? Have an emotional experience. Feel bad for all the people you've been jerking around and stealing from. And he says, don't collect any more than you're required to. Do the right thing. And then some soldiers asked him, well, what should we do? And he said, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. And be content with your pay. Does that sound like repentance? Produce the fruit in keeping with the changed attitude and mind. And guys, it's not sophisticated and it isn't religious. And it does none of these things are emotional responses to anything. Do what you know is right. That's repentance. Just do it. He doesn't tell, this is important, he doesn't tell the tax collectors or the soldiers to quit their jobs and become rabbis. Now there's a higher calling. And if you really want to repent and you want to be a black belt ninja in the kingdom of God, you really need to quit your job and go to seminary where you can learn to be just as religious and pompous as I am. And then you can be an inflated jerk like I am and pass judgment and give religious answers to everything. He doesn't say that. He addresses their lives where they are in the situations in which they find themselves, and he says, do the right thing. You always knew what it was. You got the job description when you became a tax collector. Or whatever. He doesn't say fall down on the ground and weep. Seek an emotional experience. He says just change your selfish behavior. Act differently. Listen, the sign that repentance is real is found in reality. 
God's got a nice profundity to it. Let me say it again. The sign that repentance is real is found in reality. Wow, that's practical. But it's also found in a change of mind. And it is also found in a change of heart. To enter into the kingdom of God requires facing a huge and ugly fact. I was wrong. Repentance faces the fact that my thinking has been muddled. My values have been distorted. Somehow I became the sun and God became the earth. And my friends became the moon. But really, he's the center of the world and my world revolves around him. I was wrong. I have been wrong all of my life in how I've seen my own self-importance and my place in this. I need to change. You see, repentance is a new willingness to change your mind and a new willingness to think differently and to see your life differently. And it's a softness of heart that welcomes being corrected. Can you imagine? Guys, what would happen to your relationships, your friendships, your marriages, your work environments, if everybody in that place walked around thinking, I'm really open to being corrected. It would make me happy today if someone saw something that I was doing wrong and pointed it out to me. That would really make me feel good about my day. I'd love that. Can you imagine if you had a, if you had a, a, little, a little subculture of people that walked around open to being corrected and actually was hoping, I hope somebody corrects me before noon. I hope I don't have to, you know, I hope I don't have to wait till three in the afternoon for someone to correct me on something. I just want to grow. I just want to be more like God. I just, I just want to be less selfish. It would be great if somebody just come and kick my butt. That would be awesome. Now imagine if you had a room full of people like that, how gracious it would be. You think, oh no, we'd all be correcting each other. No, we'd all be welcoming it and it would be an act of love. It wouldn't be judgment. We'd all be changing and growing because of it. It's a new humility. Now, I hope some of you are thinking this. I hope you are, because this is the truth, actually. I can change much of my behavior, but I can't do this kind of change. I can't change my heart like that. I don't think I can change myself at that deep level. To become that kind of humble, open, easily corrected, willing to change, ready to see myself as wrong, ready to do the right thing. I'm not sure I can go that deep. Well, listen, to tell a person to affect change at that level, at this core of their hearts, is like saying to a heart surgeon, I'm going to administer anesthetic to you, and once it takes place and you are unconscious, I want you to perform a triple bypass on yourself. No, really, that's a good analogy. You can't go deep enough in your own soul to affect that kind of attitudinal change. You can't do surgery that deep on yourself. And you can't do it, here's a little something, girls, and you can't do it on your husband either. Much as it would be nice, it isn't going to work. Give it up. Vice versa. Vice versa. Look, I had to get it in because the guys paid me, okay? 
But for the sake of integrity and truth, I got to do the vice versa thing. But listen, this kind of deep change at the heart level, where our whole attitude begins to change and we welcome humility and we're okay with repentance and we begin to live a repentant lifestyle of embracing change and being open to doing the right thing and asking God for the power to do the right thing and actually looking for this, this is a transformation of the human heart that the human can't do. Thank God John has an answer for that. Luke 3.16, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals? It just struck me as I'm reading this. I have no right to say any of this to you. I'm, I'm, as, I'm as selfish and as messed up as anybody in this room. Nobody stands in a superior position. I am not worthy to untie his shoes. And I get to speak for him. Isn't that cool? I'm the biggest schmuck in the room, and I get to speak for him. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't his acceptance kind of overwhelming? God, thank God you're God. Thank God you're the way you are. One is coming whose sandals I'm not, I'm not worthy to untie. He, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The conviction of sin is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he came to convict the world of sin. When conviction of sin goes deep, when conviction of sin brings a real, genuine repentance in the core of the human heart and empowers a changed life and empowers new attitudes, it's simply because He has revealed truth to you at the core of your being. And it's not your work that produced that repentance. It's His. He's the one doing the repentance in you. Is that not incredible? I mean, wow! It's crazy. You, you, and I've had these moments when I was really proud of myself for repenting. Have you ever had a proud of myself repenting moment? It's really sick. Because the only thing that made me see how disgusting I am that I could feel good about seeing it was the Holy Spirit revealing it. We're incapable of understanding how selfish we are. Thank God. He only lifts the curtain once in a while and we go, Oh my God, I need to repent. And you're doing that right now because He's doing it in you. He's the one that brings conviction of sin. At that level, that leads to that kind of attitudinal change that says, Oh, I am a man of unclean lips, living amongst a people of unclean lips. I am undone. Get away from me, God. You're too good. I shouldn't even be in your presence. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's a revelation of your identity at the core of your being, and it brings change. You cannot do that to yourself. Listen to me. If you set out to do that to yourself, you will fall under the power of a religious spirit, and you will become significantly warped. Do not attempt to bring about that kind of experience or reality on your own. That is soulish repentance. It's humanly generated, and if it works for you, you will become proud. And if it doesn't work for you, you will become in bondage to shame. Listen, some of you have been thinking the right thing to do for some of your sins in the past is just to keep on living in shame because you deserve it. 
That's from hell. God does not intend you living in shame. And if he wants to work a deep repentance in you, his spirit will do it. You know what your job is until he does that? Until he brings about that deep work? What's your job? Stop cheating people when you're a tax collector. Stop, stop, uh, just do the fruit in keeping with repentance. Listen, there's two parts to repentance. This is really important. Your part and God's part. Your part of repentance is what you can actually do. There's a bunch of stuff you can stop doing. Stop it. There's a bunch of stuff you can start doing. Do it. You do have some control over your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's practical stuff like to the soldiers and the tax collectors. There's practical stuff you can begin repenting on and changing. When I became a Christian, wow, this really shows something. When I became a Christian and and the Lord really touched me to to change my life, I, I mean, I was so bad. There was like several CDs of data on what I could change just to be just to move above the reptile stage. Okay? And I thought, you know, God's going to like hit me with something phenomenally horrible because there's so much to change. There's so, so much corruption. And I prayed to him, and, and I, this is right, as soon, right after I became a Christian, and I said to him, and I'm stealing myself for the bad news, like he's just going to tear my life to shreds because there's so much that's bad in it. And I'm getting ready for what he's going to say. And I said, what do you want me to start with? And he actually started with this. Don't always take the biggest piece of pizza. I'm not joking. He said, you always take the biggest piece of pizza whenever the box opens. And when there's only one piece left, you always take the last piece. He said, you should stop doing that. Wait a minute. Let me see if I've got this right. Slimy beast who crawled out of the ooze, I was a lawyer, who crawls out of the ooze and decides to give his life to Jesus, and he's this horrendously horrible person, comes to you and says, I'm giving you my life. What would you like to change? And he says, stop taking the biggest piece of pizza. (laughs) Okay. I said, all right, I can do that. I can do that. And I started doing that. And then I said, what next? And then he said, well, you should, you should stop swearing at people. That was hard. <laughs> Gave it up. Okay, I can do that. I can, I can do that. Can't do it perfectly, but I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Then I said, this one cost me. Gentlemen, this one cost me. The first two were easy. Then about a year later, I said... Uh, I don't feel my marriage is going very well. Don't ever ask him this. Father, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think I might be a slightly imperfect husband. Is there some small part you'd like to buff up on me? Like my head, you know. So I said, now the marriage is not going so well. Is there anything you'd like me to change? Never ask that question. You know what he said to me? It almost destroyed my life. I'm not kidding. I went into a a serious... I broke out in a sweat when he said it. Stop watching Monday night football and give the evening to your wife. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I can do that. It almost killed me. But I did it. I gave up Monday night football for years to give it to my wife. See, he does kind of work one little thing at a time till he gets to something overwhelmingly difficult. What I'm trying to say is this, look. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You've entered into the kingdom of God. You belong to him now. You belong to him. You're change in his pocket. He can spend you any way he wants. That's the attitude you have to have. I'm change in his pocket. He can spend me any way he wants. And he'll begin showing you simple stuff that you can do. Do it. Don't, don't fall into the self-hate thing. Don't get all wound up in emotional experiences of repentance. Just do the practical stuff he gives you to do. And as you do that, his Holy Spirit will become, he will come to you more and more and more, and he will go deeper and deeper, deeper into you, revealing attitudes and things that need to change. Now, here's the cool thing. You think, you know, he changes my attitudes. He's going to take all sorts of stuff away. I'm going to be a loser. But really happens is he frees you to be everything you were designed to be. You become more like, you feel more like yourself. It's the craziest thing. The more you go through this change in this process of repentance, oddly, you end up feeling more like yourself. Gee, this is, this is kind of like the way it was supposed to be. And you end up liking yourself a whole lot more than you used to. Really, you can end up liking yourself, enjoying your own company. And as he works that deep thing, he'll reveal in his time and his way what needs to change, and he can do the deep convicting work. Don't take it on yourself to do that. Listen, if you do your part, he'll do his. If you try to do his part, it's bound to fail. And don't ask him to do your part. You get it? Don't ask him to do your part. If it's something you can do, do it. And trust him for the deeper work. All right? Um... Next Sunday, we're going to do the deeper work. This first one was our part. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Next week is how he does this deep thing and what that experience is like and how it works itself out in our life. You with me? Okay, so let's apply our part. Close your eyes. And this is so easy. This is the piece of pizza deal. Okay? This is the piece of pizza deal. Holy Spirit, we would like to repent. Because it's always a good thing. Holy Spirit, we're not going to try to feel sorry. We're not going to try to like hate ourselves or manufacture some kind of emotional deal. We're not. We're just going to ask a simple question right now. Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, what are you asking me to change right now in my life that I do have the ability to change? Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal right now to everybody in this room what you're asking each one of us, and it's unique to each one of us. What do you want us to change and do differently or think differently that we have the ability to do? Holy Spirit, I pray you reveal it to each one of us right now. Okay, if something came to mind, if you saw an image of something, 
If you've got a phrase come to mind, if you saw what he wants you to change, put your hand up. Excellent. You know, he spoke to about two-thirds of us. Okay, now listen to me. You have to change that. Do you understand? Feeling good about this moment is not changing that. Saying, I'm going to change that, and then not changing that is not changing it. It's not repentance. It's nothing but an emotional experience. That's not repentance. Produce fruit. Now you know. Now you know you're responsible to change. Now here's what you do. And let's do it together. Father, I don't think I'm going to do this change perfectly. In fact, I know I probably won't. But I'm asking you for help. I'm asking you to fortify my will with your will. Jesus, you said, not my will, but yours be done. You had the strength to say that and to do it. I'm asking you for your strength to follow through. Holy Spirit, empower me. Help me to do what you've told me to do, which is repentance. And when I fail, don't let me fall into shame. Just remind me, Lord, I just get to start again. Instant, back on track. Amen. You get it?